0: Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 95. So the ladies are kind of dominating the headlines this week. So we're like, you know what? Let's give the ladies their proper due. And so this week, we're counting down our favorite or the best movie heroines of all time. Like we can lump the men and the women together, but there's so many great characters on either side that were like let's let's split that up well the guys will get their turn at some point but this week we're doing the best female heroes of all time in movies so the caveat is they have to be either the main character or like a co-lead um i'm not gonna lie this is kind of hard to narrow down but yeah i narrowed it down a bit but josh how you doing tonight
1: i'm chilling like a villain bro we're just living life you know i uh my family and I took a little road trip out to the Smoky Mountains this past weekend. So, uh, yeah, it was great. I, I posted some pictures, or I should post pictures. I'm tagged in my dad's or whatever. But, uh, yeah, dude, it was a good weekend. Lots of uh, adventure. Saw a bear. That was fun. <laughs>
0: did you
1: did you fight him? I was literally five feet away from him. Um, and I, uh, you know. I've seen The Revenant enough times to not want to fight a bear, so...
0: <laughs> it's unbearable. Aww. Just like that joke.
1: Um, in the meantime, you watching anything good this week? Um, Randomly, I uh, watched Homefront for the first time. I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie. Um, it sounds familiar, at least. It stars James Franco and uh, Jason Statham.
0: That sounds like such an
1: odd pairing. <laughs> it's a typical Jason Statham movie that has to do with drug dealers. So that's where, obviously, that's where James Franco comes in.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a James Franco. Yes, it is role. It was weird. Basically,
1: it was fine. It was a thing that happened. Uh, also, it's Shark Week, so I've been watching that.
0: Oh, is it? Yeah this shark week bro I mean I've never particularly cared about shark week but <laughs> I, I know some people that are like calendars revolve around it
1: <laughs> I just like it was something to watch something to watch and I've been I've been having a itch for you know nature documentaries and stuff like that so but yeah how are you how are you doing this week bro um uh,
0: not too bad uh heather and I like I said last week we're about halfway through Haunting of Hill House. I'm really, really excited because the next episode we're watching is Two Storms, which is <sighs> the one where like the camera just basically stays on the crew the entire time. There's like no cuts or anything for the first like there's like five cuts in the first 50 minutes of the episode. It's oh, it's it's wonderful. It's a technical masterpiece. Um, rewatched Dora this past weekend, still supremely underappreciated and way better than it has any right to be. <laughs>
1: I saw, I saw that was on the Voodoo now, and I'm totally going to go uh-huh. watch Sonic and Dora tonight. Because yes,
0: Sonic I'm going to watch sometime this week because both there's a whole bunch of uh, 4K movies on sale, um, which that's a topic that I might save for next week, but let's just say I'm not too happy right now with uh, Disney and their choice with 4K movies. Mm. Disney in general right now is making a lot of stupid choices, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um uh, besides Haunting of Hill House, um, I bought the Jaws 4K, and my opinion has not changed since the first time I watched it in high school. I appreciate the technical marvel that is Jaws, and I appreciate how hard it was to film. That movie's so boring. Yeah, I'm It right is with you. so dull. Also, like, there's the classic Jaws scene with the dun-un-dun-dun. Besides that, the music does not fit, like, at all. They're, like, chasing down the shark, and it's this wacky, whimsical, fun music. I'm going, you do realize a kid got eaten, like several kids got eaten. Um, but, yeah. I, also, I watched uh, Dora with my parents, who had never seen it before, and the first thing, my dad's watching it. it's like, that looks really good, because Dora, for some reason, is one of the best-looking 4Ks I've <laughs> seen, like, ever. Like, completely <laughs> Full screen, it doesn't look like you're watching it through a TV, it looks like you're looking at it through a window. It's that's crazy so it's so crystal clear, it is scary. Um to which there's many jokes about going Dora is the one that gets the really high class four K treatment.
1: It's okay. Nobody's paying attention to it, so this is the only way to do it.
0: It's true. Also, without dipping too much into it for when you watch it, let's just say they find a really, really funny way to bring back the original cartoon. Okay, okay, I'm down. You you will very much appreciate what they do.
1: I, I will. Uh, I'll look. Out, I'm looking. For, I'm going to watch it here. Literally as soon as we're, we we uh, we log off here. I'm going to order some food and put on Dora the Explorer, which is a phrase that I never thought I would utter in my late 20s. <laughs> Trust me, it's worth it. It's really not that bad. Yes,
0: there's some kitty humor, but there's plenty of parts that I laugh out loud every single time. Um, right now, people that are laughing out loud are anybody that we're expecting to see Mulan this year. So... <sighs> I'm not saying I'm surprised by this at all. I'm just disappointed. So I remember a few months ago on this show, I ranted and raved in probably one of my biggest rants I've ever had on this channel uh, when it was announced that Bob Chapek would take over as Disney CEO. I knew that the day he was signed on to be CEO that stuff like this would happen. So what we're talking about is... Uh, Mulan, one of the most anticipated movies of the year. Josh and I, I know you and I have been super excited for this movie. Um, it is no longer coming to theaters, is coming to Disney Plus, but you're going to have to pay extra for it. And I mean a lot extra. You're going to have to pay 30 bucks for Mulan. Now, granted, it's not a rental. You keep it forever, but you have to already be a Disney Plus subscriber. So technically to see the movie costs 37 bucks. And I'm going. This is probably single-handedly the dumbest decision you could have made with this movie. Because I've I've checked different social media accounts, and almost everybody that's reporting the news has a poll up of Are you going to pay for this movie? And it's anywhere between eighty to ninety percent of people going. No, are you nuts? Now, Disney and Bob Chapek have said this was just a test. This is not going to be a permanent thing. BS. You are trying to nickel and dime people, and you're going to see if this will, if you can get away with this. And if people buy it, you're going to be like, well, it worked. And so they'll do the same thing with Black Widow and Eternals. This is the single stupidest choice. Um, I do not understand the rationale. I kind of get something in a little bit, but I'll, I'll talk about why Disney might be smart to test this, but they're going about it the wrong way. But, Josh, yeah. you see that Mulan... One of them, our most anticipated movies of the year is available on Disney Plus in September for 30 bucks. What's your gut reaction to that?
1: I can't I, – I don't even go to the theater and play, pay 30 bucks. I don't buy yeah. it on DVD for $30. Like – That's th- – Like, that's a lot. I get paying I, – I get, like, charging. I understand because you feel – You do have to make your money back, especially on a movie like Mulan, which is it is a high budget. So you do have to make your money back. But at the same time, 30 bucks, bro. Are you do you want people to see this movie? I guess not because this 30 bucks. I'm paying 30
0: bucks. Disney, I'm sure, will come at it from the angle of, well, if there's families, they'll be able to see it and it's cheaper for them. I'm like. Yes, but there's people like you or me. You might see it by yourself. I might take Heather and combine that's probably 15 17 bucks for the two of us. Cheaper for you to see it by yourself. I'm going, this is more expensive for us. But also, you said we own it forever. Is this movie not going to just be on Disney Plus in three to four months after anyway for everyone involved? Like, what's the logic here? Uh, and we said before... No. Mulan is like the most expensive movie they've ever made so they desperately need to make their money back so even with 30 bucks a pop you need what 10 million people to buy this movie and right now Disney Plus just passed 60 million if I remember correctly so you're saying 20% of the people that have Disney Plus are gonna pay for this movie uh that seems like a stretch that's Now, here's where I kind of take the other side for just a second. I am curious about the idea of Disney selling movies on Disney Plus in the future. However, I think $30 is not the price range to start with, especially in this economic climate. And I don't think Mulan was the one that you should have tried this with. Yeah. Um, If you really wanted to, maybe try with Artemis Fowl at a lower price point. See, okay, if there's an option to buy movies on Disney Plus, will people take that bait, so to speak, and will they select that option? Cuz when this news came out, I was like that that can't happen for the sole reason of if you look at the interface of Disney Plus, there's no like in-app purchases. Like mm-hmm. are they going to have to like change the interface or change options or do you have to go to some external site just to claim it and then once you do claim it what happens to that like once Mulan comes to Disney Plus proper what happens to your 30 bucks did you just waste it like I'll wait a couple months till it comes on hard copy uh, which that's a whole other discussion for a later day of what idiotic stuff they're doing with that but I this is just Chapek being his Chapekist of we want to nickel and dime you yes Disney I get that you're financially hurt right now, but everyone is financially hurt right now. And the big difference is between Disney Plus and like a Voodoo or Movies Anywhere or a Google Play Movies is those are completely free to join. So all you are paying for is the rental itself, which is for a theatrical movie, about 20 bucks. This is Disney going, we're going to charge $10 more because we know you're interested in this movie. Yeah. But also, you have that Disney Plus charge. That's, you, this is just completely idiotic on all levels. I'm just going, is it not just better to wait and sit on this thing a little bit longer? Because theaters are starting to open up, we think. So, why? What is their decision here? Like, it has been proven you don't make as much money on demand as you do in theaters. So, just, I Genuinely, do not understand this decision. It makes no sense to me. Chapek, you like money, and you want this to be the future. I get that, but this is not going to bring you revenue. This is going to blow up in their face big time. Because as much as I want to see on I desperately want to see it. It's one of my most anticipated ones. I'm not paying
1: thirty mm-hmm. bucks. No, not at all. Because it's at the, at the end of the day, man. I it's like we said. It's thirty dollars. I really want to see it, and but the fact of the matter is, Chipex basically like, hey, so we know you can only see Mulan here on Disney Plus, but we're gonna make you pay thirty bucks for it, even though the average movie ticket is twenty. If you go on a on a special day, you could probably pay only five. But you know, whatever, man. You know, we're gonna charge you $20, 30 dollars because it just it doesn't make sense to me. Even video on demand, like. I, I I've seen what was it when uh, even Endgame when Endgame came out and I'd have to look to confirm this but when Endgame came out on on demand on video on demand like months after it was still only maybe fifteen dollars and that's that's Endgame like that's a one of the biggest movies of the year. Of the decade. Like, bro. Like, and you're you going to sit here and say that as much as I really want Mulan to be good, you're going to say that this movie is worth $30? Yeah, I... It doesn't make sense. For a
0: movie that none of us have actually seen, it could be an Artemis Fowl situation of we are putting on Disney Plus because we don't have faith in it in a the theatrical reason. I, I don't think that's the case. Um... But this is the stupidest thing. And also, this piggybacks us perfectly on our next topic, which is if we think Disney's greedy now, wait a couple of years because there's a chance for Disney to be even greedier. And I don't see nearly enough people talking about this. And that concerns me a lot. So for those that don't know, there was a law called the Paramount uh, Paramount Consent Degrees. Um, And they've been in the movie business for a very, very long time. So, basically, these rules were in place so that movie studios could not monopolize the movie theater Mm. industry. There's a lot of different facets to it. Um, But one of the major ones was under these decrees, movie studios could not own movie theater chains. So, like, Disney couldn't up and buy AMC or Universal couldn't buy Regal um however those were just repealed and are no longer in effect and i talked last week about there's a dam between streaming and the theatrical experience and universal and amc just took a pickaxe well taking this law down just did a even bigger swing i think because and people are going so what if movie studios own movie theaters oh no no if disney owns like i said if disney owns amc they could be like, okay, regular price ticket to see the new Marvel movie. But if you want to see the new Fast and Furious movie, you're going to have to pay three or four bucks extra or may not even be able to see the movie at all. Yeah. Um, Which could re- lead to completely skewed ticket prices or movies not even being shown in your area. So say you only have regals near you in the future. Those regals could be owned by Universal, so you can only see Universal movies if that theater is the only one near you. Tell me that's not just the worst idea possible. But also, um, in these um, decrees, there was a rule about something called blocking of – if there's a major movie that comes out like an Endgame, Disney could strong arm the theater saying if you're going to show Endgame, you have to show these three or four crappy independent movies that we're also making that we don't believe have in at whatsoever, but they need to be on your screen at the same time if you want Endgame. So it's basically a mafia bullying tactic. Now theaters are now studios are allowed to do that as well. This is going to single-handedly destroy mom and pop theaters, but also could severely damage the major chains too. Uh, No one's in the mood to buy anything right now. No one's buying. But once studios have money in their pockets again, you can't honestly tell me that no one's going to think about buying. Like Universal and AMC are already in bed together. If Universal has the money, they might consider buying AMC and then being like, well, now you have to show our movies. And because we own you, our movies can only be in theaters for 17 days and then we'll take them out. This is just bad on all accounts. Like, why? Why did you do this, government? Well, there's a lot of reasons why the government does anything. But this is one that is like, this has been in
1: place for decades. What is the point of taking this away? I mean, the big thing is, and this is going to turn a little bit, a little political, but it's, it's definitely like big corporations taking taking over every single little piece of of uh media because if if like like you're saying like if disney buys like a whole chain then yeah they what's their incentive to play other movies and so it's like it becomes it becomes almost like it becomes like the streaming services right now where it's like okay well I would like to watch this movie but it's only available on this service so I'll watch it on this service but even though I there's another movie from that corporation it but it's on this service so I gotta watch it on this service it's just it's gonna be a mess if if that's what starts happening and it's like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those like, OK, cool. So you're going to go to Cinemark to see Disney films. You're going to go AMC to, Uni- to see Universal. You'll go to if you want to see something from Fox, good luck because Regal and them can't seem to come to a deal. But Sony will, you, Sony will be with Regal. You know, it's like it's going to be all kinds of a huge mess of like, like you said, like what if you don't have a Regal in your area? Well, any movies that Regal might be showing, can't see. Oh, well, bye. That's it. And that's not even – we're or not even, even talking. Like you were saying, we're not even discussing mom and pop's um, – uh, mom and pop, and pop theaters. It just it – just, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a whole big mess, and I'm not really down for it.
0: Yeah, like – so even from a movie studio perspective, this is a bad idea because say you are not one of the heavy hitters like a universal um, – What if you're like a A24 or a Blumhouse, which churns out pretty successful movies, but you don't have the elbow power or the muscle to kind of move other people out of the way. You could go to like a Regal or an AMC and be like, hey, can we show our movie here? And they'd be like, sorry, we're booked up with our own movies, but thanks for playing. Just that's going to destroy those studios. And it's basically going to create the monopoly that these decrees We're put in place to prevent in the first place. It just, I don't understand this decision. It's just like, you just decided this. There was nothing broken with the system as it stands. You just continue to hammer away at that dam that we talked about. Uh, The Disney plus thing, I think was a huge swing at that wall. Uh, This is another huge swing. It seems like everyone in the movie industry right now just wants to get over movie theaters and get, to digital and online as quick as possible. And it's pissing a lot of people off, myself included, like why this, this 2020 has not been kind in general, but it has been especially brutal movie theaters and why we keep piling on. It just,
1: I don't understand this decision at all in the slightest. It's, uh, because corporations don't have enough money and they're like, we need more money. And, uh, we don't like paying uh, paying another company to show our movies, so it's just all kinds of stupid, dude. I don't, I don't get it. I I, I don't really want to deal with it. Um, it's all AMC's fault. Yeah, basically. But I'll talk. Let's talk about something that I'm both not necessarily surprised, but not necessarily against either. With uh, Jared Leto being uh, attached to the Neutron film.
0: Yeah, so I had to go back because it felt like we just talked about Tron 3 not too long ago, mm-hmm. which, correction, I don't know if we can call it Tron 3 or not because with Jared Leto's inclusion, I don't necessarily know if this will be a continuation of the Garrett Hedlund one from 2009, which in itself, in and of itself was a continuation of the original, or if this is something entirely new. Um, but we are seemingly now getting confirmation that Um, we have a new director attached to a Neutron movie starring Jared Leto, who, uh, he himself has taken to Twitter, which, we'll talk about something about that in a second, um, to seemingly confirm that this movie's happening. Now, the director will be, uh, Gareth Evans, who directed a movie called Lion, and I'll be perfectly honest, I have no idea. I believe that's the one with Dev Patel in it, I'm, I'm not sure, um... I'm mostly on board with this. I've always been fascinated by the world of Tron, but I won't say I'm the biggest Tron fan. I will say when Tron Legacy was coming out, that was one of the most anticipated movies I've ever seen because, holy crap, those trailers blew me away. The music, the visuals, it was spectacular. And then I was kind of disappointed with the movie, which I feel like is kind of a sentiment that a lot of people share. I know it has its um, diehard followers, and that's awesome if you're one of them. Um, but the movie did not financially do very well. Um, I think people that like Tron, something that is kind of hard to grasp at times, is neither Tron movie has really been financially successful. Yeah, I always equate Tron and the Tron movies to the Blade Runner movies. Of, they've inspired a lot of work. They have diehard, loyal, cult-like fans. Both times that they've come out, they don't do nearly as well as people expect them to do. Like, people are familiar with Blade Runner. People are familiar with Tron. But are you excited for it? Um, I thought Tron Legacy had a lot of potential that it just didn't quite live up to. Once they leave the, um, the games, I become significantly less interested in the movie. Um, But I think the potential is there. Now, crappy joker aside jared leto is a good actor um so mark me down for tentatively excited if this thing actually happens yeah. which is a whole other story right now
1: yeah i'm with you i i there's been few things that i don't enjoy jared leto in i think it, even his joker while it is, yes i will admit it's absolutely awful there's small bits and pieces of it that I do enjoy. I thought were not necessarily smart decision, but an interesting decision nonetheless. Um, But yeah, dude, I mean, it's, it's Jared Leto. Who's basically being, making a career on being known for uh, weird movie decisions. And like, I mean, he was super weird in Blade Runner. He was super weird. He's going to be super weird in Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus. Morbius.
0: Morbius. Morpheus Morbius. is same thing. Different. Uh, different. Uh, is Matrix. Yes,
1: but no. Yeah, he, he's a uh, he's a good actor, like you said. So, and I have no real attachments to Tron, but I mean, if you're gonna have somebody be involved with your franchise, that's your guy.
0: So here's where I said things were a little interesting with Jared Leto's Twitter. Uh, he did announce that Tron, he was attached to Tron. However. He kind of redacted something about the movie, which kind of let something slip. I'm going thanks, Tron. Thanks, uh, Jared Leto, or should we call you Tom Holland? Because he tweeted out so excited to be, a- uh, whatever, whatever, be attached to Tron: Aurora. And I'm going, say what now? And then he deleted that and just says, "I'm attached to Tron." And I'm going, um, that's not what you said before. Um, so I just like that's a that's a fun little. Oopsie. Because you don't normally hear about Jared Leto letting things slip. You hear about him being kind of a horrible person to his co-stars. But I'd yeah. <laughs> um, i would I'd be very curious if he does that for Tron or if Disney will put up with that. But I'm, I'm curious because I would very much like to relive or re-go, re-enter the world of Tron and give it another shake. And hopefully we get it right this time and be a little more fun and accessible to everyone else. Because... I like the idea of Tron, but I think it's very niche in that it's very... You have to kind of know the computer world to follow Tron. Yeah. Like, follow CPUs and programming. And it was very ahead of its time in that way, but also, like, it's not the most accessible movie for that exact same reason.
1: Yeah. Like, it's visually stunning, and the acting is pretty okay, but, like... Uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it feels very niche. But you know what? With technically the uh, the OG storyline being kind of wrapped up, kind of ish, um, there is an opportunity to kind of tell a new story or a different story with Tron, which is something you could do easily do with Leto. I don't see why you wouldn't or couldn't do that. So, I mean, to each his own, yeah. Man.
0: I do kind of hope that this is its own thing, and it isn't connected to those other ones just because I think the world of Tron has a lot of interesting possibilities, mm-hmm. and I kind of branch off from that. That's why I don't think this will be Tron 3. I think it'll exist in the world of Tron, but it won't necessarily be about Clue, Flynn. Um, I think it was Quora was Olivia Wilde's character. I don't think it'll necessarily follow those characters. Also, please no CGI Jeff Bridges this time around, because... That's Uncanny Valley wackiness right there. It just doesn't work. Um, but put me down for tentatively excited because, again, we don't really know if it's happening or not. At this point, they could say that, but they've been in development on a Tron movie forever. So we'll see if that actually comes to pass or not. Um, another bit of Disney news on the completely other end of the spectrum is Marvel-related news, specifically Captain Marvel. So, neither Josh or I were particularly the biggest fans of Captain Marvel 2. Um, however, this most recent news, I won't say it gets me more excited, but it, it, it kind of does. And that is that uh, Nia DaCosta, the upcoming director of the Candyman reboot, I, I don't really know what to classify the Candyman movie, um, she'll be directing the new Captain Marvel, uh, whatever that Captain Marvel ends up being. Now... I have not seen the new Candyman. I'm hearing pretty good things about it, if it ever comes out, if anything ever comes out this year.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, other than Candyman, I don't know a whole lot about her filmography. However, I'm really excited about this from the perspective of she's yet another horror director that Hollywood seemingly tapped to helm a big blockbuster franchise. Now, I really have liked this trend, um, even though for some reason society at large still thinks of horror as the redhead stepchild it sure does seem to cast a lot of its talent a lot for other projects it's almost like it takes talent and hard work to do horror movies but um wow never would have guessed um i'll go into more (laughs) about why i think that they've went with her and why horror directors are constantly being picked for these big budget movies in a little bit but um josh you hear the director if Candyman is helming the new Captain Marvel movie, make you more excited, less excited? What, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> I've I mean I was never a, a fan, really, of the original Candyman, but and like the trailer for this new one looks good. Um, looks like there was one solid vision, and that's it. Uh, so expound upon that Because I
0: feel like we've talked about this But the people
1: at home don't know we've talked about this <laughs> Oh man It's almost like computer crashes are a thing Anyway um, <laughs> uh, So The biggest thing I, That I have an issue with When it comes to Brie Larson In, in, in Captain Marvel Is not necessarily with her Because I've seen her in other stuff And she's not, she's not bad She's not, you know Amazing, but then again, Chris Evans was not a great actor before Captain America either, so um, there's that. But I think the no, I think you mean Hemsworth, thing, yeah. The biggest thing Chris from, Evans had been in stuff for Captain Marvel as a movie felt like there was too what, what was the coin the the phrase we coined a lot? Oh, there's too many chefs in the kitchen, there's too, too many, many directors cooks in the kitchen, man, too many, writers, too many cooks, too many cooks. Uh, N- nobody should go look that up because this is the one of the weirdest things on the face of the planet um i don't know don't hug me i'm scared this has to be up there too yeah but there's a anyway no that's that's a whole rabbit tra- trail we could go down maybe that's a that's an episode green we is do. not
0: a creative color
1: <laughs> we should uh eventually do uh i mean it doesn't really matter i guess a, a, a discussion about um YouTube videos that shaped us as people. <laughs> uh, anyway. Ouch! Uh, they took my kidney.
0: <laughs> that shaped a lot of it kids. Did. That and
1: uh, llamas with Come hats. Come to Candy Mountain, Charlie. Llamas with hats. I quote, still to this day. Anyway, Brie Larson and Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, there's too many, uh, too many cooks. It wasn't. It did never felt like there was a definitive, like. This is where the direction we're going. This is this is who you're supposed to be. what uh, one of the things I think I've I've said off screen to you was the big thing about Captain or probably Marvel when we is recorded like this before. It, Bri, if Brie Larson came to the producers and was like, okay, cool. So there's this character you want me to play that you've cast me to play. Can you tell me about her? What is she, what is she like? Blah blah blah. And then a bunch of producers went to the other room and yelled it to her. It's like like it's like a broken game of telephone of 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 telling her how to play a character it just it didn't it it's not necessarily i think at this point we haven't seen much of her so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna really judge her too harshly um but it it, there's not much to her character
0: yeah I'm i'm in the same boat um but you're right and i feel like I'm glad you brought it up that this movie, the first movie, had too many cooks in the kitchen, and I'm appreciative that this time around, that there's only going to be one chef theoretically. Like this is well, theoretically, I'm sure the uh, the committee, the MCU, like Kevin Feige and whoever else, has a vision that they want of how it's a piece in their larger puzzle. But having one person as opposed to like two or three directors and four or five writers will significantly help. Now I talked about why i love the trend of horror directors directing big budget movies Mm. i think that's a big trend because horror directors are used to working with next to nothing and they have to make the most of the resources that they have look for example david f sandberg who did shazam shazam had about like a 70 million dollar budget if i remember correctly uh which is not a lot for a superhero movie but he stretched that as much as he could because um he comes from a background of not just horror but making his own horror short films with his wife. So he knows how to make the most. He knows how to make $5 look like $200 um, and knows how to stretch that. So if I'm a studio, I, I want to work with horror directors because they know how to make the most out of the resources that I give them. Some directors, James Cameron are like, I need $300 million up front and it will look like $300 million. Whereas opposed to a director over here, I could give him $50 million and it will make it look like $300 million. And then that's $250 that I have saved that can go somewhere else. Um, They are used – horror directors are used to not working with as many resources. But also, horror as a genre, for the most part, is very stripped back in its story. It's very straightforward, and you have to get your point across sooner and more succinctly. And so if you can tell a good story in horror, I think you can tell a good story in any genre because horror is so – for the most part, bare bones. Of if you get this right, horror is very, very hard genre to get. I'll give you that. But if you get it right, it can be something special. So I think the industry, while it still kind of views horror as the redheaded stepchild, it sees that it takes a lot of hard work and effort to get there. And I like that these directors are getting rewarded for that. Like Sandberg, James Wan, Scott Derrickson, um, Sam Raimi before he did Spider-Man. All these directors come from horror before anything else, before they really made their name superhero movies. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. So while we were not the best fans of the first Marvel, I think this bodes well yeah. in the right direction.
1: So fingers crossed, I guess. Maybe. Just maybe. I mean, it can't be, it can't be any worse. worse than the first one. <laughs> it's true.
0: Um, I don't remember if it was a year. Was it your worst Marvel movie?
1: No, but that's only because I have a big bone to pick with Civil War.
0: <laughs> you are so weird, man. I hate that movie. I hate it. Well, um, a movie that I'm sure we won't hate is John Wick 5, which, again, to toot my own horn, I would not be mad at all if this was the graphic and oh, the yeah. poster for John Wick 5. It looks good, dude. Like, I I'd be happy with this. And we bring up John Wick 5 because Lionsgate has now confirmed to us that the reason why they haven't started filming John Wick 4 yet is because they are now shooting John Wick 4 and John Wick 5 back to back. This makes me all the happier for it because, one, I just love the John Wick franchise and I want to spend more time in it. Um, But, two, it occurs to me that I think 4 and 5, if you're shooting a back to back, they are Back to back in story wise, like all the John Wick movies, I think part of the reason why they're so cool is they basically take place over a span of like a week or two, and it's just you could relabel them as John Wick and the very good, no, no luck, bad day type of thing because he's just unlucky and it's over the span of just a few weeks. So, add on to that, that we're filming it back to back. I'm just happy to get more John Wick, mm-hmm. um, but. Josh, I know you're also a big John Wick fan. Um, does this give you more confidence in four? Where, what are you thinking about John
1: Wick 5 and back-to-back back with four? Um, I, I see, and I seem to remember that they did something like this with two and three, but I, I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong most of the time, and that's okay. But I like that they're acknowledging the fact that maybe four is not going to be the end because the way that three ends is very like, Oh, Um, so we'll see what direction we go. Story-wise, I just hope that because through, you know, one, two and three, they've continuously upped the ante and like brought it to another level. So I just, I hope that they can continue to do that because as funny to me as it would be, I don't want five to end up John wick going to space to visit a friend of his who's played by Matt Damon.
0: Wow. Someone's thoughts have changed almost like it. You just change your mind in a few minutes, but um, (laughs) let's let's just say this episode has not gone off completely smoothly, but for (laughs) you guys at home, it's been completely smooth. Um, So I think another reason why this is filming back to back is, he may not look like it because Keanu Reeves, ever since he was in Dracula, is an immortal vampire that does not age. Correct. The man is still in his 50s. And part of the marketing for every John Wick movie is, look at him doing the stunts by himself. Look at this training with hand-to-hand a combat and weapons training that he's doing. He cannot do that forever. It is not healthy for someone to do that forever. Him and Tom Cruise eventually have to stop. What? So I think they're shooting these back-to-back more or less so they kind of make sure that they get them in. Before Keanu kind of has to slow down a little bit, because even from the first one to the third one, it's supposed to be only a couple days. But um, yeah, Keanu does look a little different from the first to the third one, even though it's supposed to be like a week. Um, he does, Josh. He does like limp more as the as the show goes. He's on. been shot a lot. Yeah, um, Josh. Do you see five being the end, or
1: do you see them making more from there? I need it to be the end. I mean, I I would say that. I think uh, I would hope that Keanu and he can come on the podcast and tell tell me differently if you'd like. Um, and if he doesn't, I'm sure Alex Winter's available. Oh, somebody's available. You can, like, Everyone's available start, right like, now. Putting stuff out in the universe and just being like, hey, if, uh, this is, you would come on to our, our little podcast and talk about uh, If we
0: ever had a Patreon, it would be to just get cameos. <laughs> people doing that nowadays.
1: Can we get a cameo of you talking about your movie that we can use on our podcast? Thanks. (laughs)
0: Um, The first one we would do is cameo Nicolas Cage for Nicolas Cage month. Dude, I would... And that would never leave our intro. Instead of the rotating compass, it's a rotating Nicolas Cage head. Oh...
1: I just like, okay, but anyway, I need
0: or get Nicolas Cage to hum our theme song. Oh
1: my God! Stop! Don't make me happy like this. Don't don't bring these dreams, because at the, and the, then end, at of the day, end of it... I need number five to be t- titled John Wick Five: The Wicker Man. <laughs>
0: you killed the dogs, not dogs. Oh no, not the dogs.
1: Oh man and uh we're getting uh, so uh, far uh, loopy, man. nicholas cage
0: quarantine
1: nicholas cage appears as a crazy like arms dealer uh good stuff but yeah i I think you joked about matt damon earlier you joked about matt damon
0: earlier but i still would not be mad if jason bourne shows up in these movies at some point
1: that'd be cool it'd be random and i'd have it honestly make me have more questions than answers um but yeah it'd be cool i'm down i'm down i'm down Treadstone was
0: started by the Continental. (laughs) Oof. I have questions. I have a lot of questions. Um... Okay. So, our last news topic today was originally going to be split into two parts, um, but the Tron Legacy thing showed up, and we're like, yeah, we we need to lump these together, but there's a lot to dissect here. So, DC Fandom is right around the corner, and... I am beyond excited for it. Um, I'll be having my lazy butt glued to the TV for most all of Saturday. Um, waiting to see what announcements are made. We know for a fact that there will be some announcements regarding The Suicide Squad with James Gunn directing it this time around. And now James Gunn was nice enough to take to social media to give his our first official look at the logo for the suicide squad and i'm not gonna lie kind of digging it it looks pretty good um looks a lot like the old school Suicide squad stuff it also doesn't look a lot like the original suicide squad movie which i think in this case is a good thing yeah um I'm very much on board for this Suicide Squad. I have been for a while just because it's James Gunn. I like what he's doing, but also, I think this time around, we're going to embrace the everyone-can-possibly-die angle. So, Mm -hmm. theoretically,
1: that should be a good thing.
0: (laughs) Allegedly. Um, Yes, but also, uh, it was James Gunn's birthday recently, and so the cast took time to um, give their own little happy birthday to him. Um, And so, With each little thing, we kind of got some clues as to who each one might be playing. Uh, Case in point, when Idris Elba said happy, his was like a long, drawn out, like 30 speed, 30% speed audio. And it sounded suspiciously like a bronze tiger.
1: Bronze tiger confirmed. Let's go. I'm so excited. If a bronze tiger is confirmed, so is Vixen. Let's go. I'm so excited. Vixen is not confirmed.
0: Oh, so, um, peek behind the curtain. This is like our third time talking about this topic, um, and it, actually, there's a positive to this, because our computer keeps crashing. Uh, there is a positive to this, because I remembered something else. Uh, David Deshmalshian, who, I know I'm mispronouncing your name, if you want to come on the podcast and correct me, feel free to. (laughs) Um, he more or less confirmed that he's playing Polka Dot Man, because in his video, he had Polka Dots all over his face and over his shoulder- he had the first appearance of po- com- uh, Polka-Dot Man comic book, which I'm going, yes, please. I like me some Polka-Dot Man. <laughs> However, the point that I forgot about until now, so maybe it was fortuitous that our computer has now crashed twice. <sighs> um, and that is we may or may not have also got to confirm who John Cena is playing. Yeah. And yes, you can, in fact, see him in this video. So in his happy birthday wish, he's kind of playing one of those old school, like, uh, Josh, do you remember those like Jurassic Park shooters uh, where like, they had the big guns that you could shoot or someone could play co-op next to you type yeah. of thing? Yeah, um, yeah, So yeah. he was doing that uh, with two handguns, which seems suspiciously like Peacemaker, who is a very old school throwback character and seems perfect for a James Gunn type of movie. So I'm going to go out and say John Cena is Peacemaker. Um, Josh, what do you think about the logo? What do you think about this movie in general?
1: Uh, I really dig the logo. Um, like you said, it's old school comics, which shows, you know, Billy, Mr. James, Mr. James Gunn been doing his, uh, his homework. I almost said Billy Gunn there. Um, he's a comic book man. He is. Uh, I can't say his other moniker. Anyway, uh, (laughs) he's a butt man, the butt man. Um, but yeah no I'm down uh bronze tiger bring him in Margot Robbie's back let's go uh polka dot man let's go um it is confirmed that John is playing peacemaker because it's on uh the IMDB IMDB is not trustworthy I'm information but like the thing is it's only him and Margot who have like character names under them huh so I'm can you can you see that can you see that name tag
0: what? Can you see? Can you see that name tag? I hate you.
1: I hate... I, so, I don't hate you. I hate how long it took me to get that joke. <laughs> yeah, that that is disappointing. Very sad. So, but no, I'm down, man. I James did some really cool, fun, unique stuff with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, So I'm kind of expecting a lot of the same stuff here. Uh, it, it should be fun, man. I, especially going into Fandom. Um, I'm assuming that the movie is going to be coming out before... Uh, the new game that they've had kind they've announced for a Suicide Squad. So,
0: uh, Rocksteady confirmed that they will be at Fandome with this Suicide Squad game. They're not working on a Batman game, much to our dismay, I as much as we would have liked that. Uh, but Warner Bros. Montreal is working on a Batman game, and I'm not going to lie. I'm much more interested in that than the Suicide Squad game. However... The Suicide Squad game, judging by the teaser poster that we're getting from Rocksteady, it looks like it's either going to be Suicide Squad versus Superman versus Bizarro or against the entire Justice League. Any which of those three, I'm completely fine with. Um, Josh, you see this teaser picture for the Suicide Squad game. Are you interested? Are you more interested in the Arkham game? What, what are your general thoughts about the video game side of Fandom?
1: Um. It could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of a lot to be said. I think that with what games are capable of today, um, could be a lot of fun. I do think they'll have to be careful not to make it seem too much like a Avengers game, even though the game looks like trash. Uh, but it's still a team team game. Um, what would be interesting is if they did a Almost like a like a Arkham style version of Ultimate Alliance, but with Suicide Squad, where you pick your own squad going into e- each mission, and you can unlock other characters and stuff like that. It could be fun. I'd
0: be down. Yeah, that sounds pretty legit. I, uh,
1: but I'm with you on though. I'm I'm definitely more excited or more wanting a new Arkham game. I am more of a single player gaming kind of guy anyway. Um, but. I mean, especially if they – if what you've been telling me, that, that they've been kind of rumoring about what they've been doing is true.
0: Yeah, so supposedly at least the Batman game from Warner Brothers Montreal will be about the Court of Owls and Talon versus the Bat family, which anything Court of Owls, yes, but also anything Bat family because please, 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 just let me free romance this guy. please. Please, I'm desperate. I'm on my last nerve right now, and it's not helping that I have yet to get Nightwing and free roam. I've tried to hack Arkham Knight, and they keep patching it to make it not able to do that, but um, please just let us free roam and have different modes of transportation like Josh, you suggested in one of our many recordings for this episode. <laughs> it's, it's, tonight's been a
1: nightmare, guys. Yes, it's been uh, tough.
0: That Batwing should be in it and be the only character that flies. I'm... I'm very much down for that idea. I mean, I would be down for even, like,
1: if they do... If they brought in Batman Beyond for it. Because if you have... In my mind, right, thinking this through off the cuff, if you do Batwing, the same kinds of mechanics should work for, like, a Batman Beyond to actually be flying and stuff like that.
0: Exactly. Now, here's where things are gonna get interesting. (laughs) So... (laughs) Sorry if I'm not as enthusiastic as I am normally, but this is like our third time recording this specific news topic. Like we've said, this has not been our night, Um, but I will always be excited to sound like a total nutcase and a conspiracy theorist. So, now is a special segment of the show called the Tinfoil Hat Segment, where (laughs) we have a theory. It's out there and ridiculous, and it might not be true, but we think it is because... Were those crazy people with the tinfoil hats. Well, now
1: (laughs) I'm going
0: to let you have tinfoil hat. (laughs) I am tinfoil hat man with the tinfoil hat theories.
1: (laughs) It's still, it's, it's funny that even after this, like the third time we're doing this bit basically, and it still gets me because it just looks so ridiculous. And like, We came up with a section of the Styling and profiling, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This styling and profiling. Jeez, dude. But it still gets it because it looks so ridiculous. But let's get going on the conspiracy theory, my man. Yeah, before the computer shuts down
0: again. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to lie. My head looks like a Jiffy Pop popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) And it's probably filled with just as much stuff. Um, But, 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 before my computer crashes again, It's like, guys, listen to me. The government is after you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're shutting down my computer. (laughs) mm, Warner Brothers is shutting down my computer because they know I have a scoop. If I was a clickbait YouTuber, that's basically what I'd be saying. Um, (laughs) But tinfoil hat time. That's why we break this out from here on out. So there's over 300 names announced for DC fandom. One of the ones missing is Mr. Henry Cavill himself, Superman. Of all the many, many names, over 300 names are announced for DC fandom. Henry Cavill, the heart and soul of the DC universe, in my mind, is not there. The closest name is Henry Winkler. No Henry other than that. Henry Winkler, which I still find odd. <laughs> Maybe he does a voice on Harley Quinn. Um, But wait, who- here's my tinfoil hat theory time this is totally done on purpose so I'm losing bits of my hat right now uh, but go with me here. the first teaser trailer that we got for DC fandom they it was like a 30 second 30 spe- I'm just so excited to talk about this guys 30 second spot showing like a CGI arena kind of um, just kind of showing what the layout of DC fandom will probably look like over the tune. Of the original John Williams Superman theme. They could have picked any music they wanted. They could have used just regular stock music. No, they use Superman because they know Superman is the glue that holds the DC universe together. That's why in the DC logos at the front of all DC movies now, he's in the middle. He's the heart and soul of it. And Henry Cavill is the heart and soul of the DCEU. I think they've purposely kept him off the guest list as a surprise Royal Rumble-esque return. I think he's coming back for sure. I think by the end of this month, I can proudly stand on my podium saying I have called this. I have stood true in my belief and been rewarded for being a good and faithful servant to the cause that is Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been rumors floating around for a while that he's coming back. I think at fandom, he will either be officially announced to be coming back for someone else's movie like Shazam 2 or what I will propose and firmly believe is... He'll be announced to be coming back for a new Superman movie. Whether that's a completely rebooted Superman with him still being in the role or Man of Steel 2, I think he has to be announced and is going to be announced for Man of Steel 2 or some form of Superman movie. I think he's one of the big surprises because like we've said, there is not one but two surprise announcements for DC fandom that we know for a fact, surprise projects. I think that's one of them. I think the other one might be Batman Beyond, but that's not... My full-on tinfoil hat. Um, I my tinfoil hat is Henry Cavill is coming back as Superman at Fandome. Um, there's a lot of evidence to back me up on this one. I think. I think that um, when he was building his PC a few weeks ago, he's in Superman shape. He's jacked beyond belief right now, and. There's been too much where there's smoke, there's fire lately with Henry Cavill when it comes to Superman stuff of talks of him coming back, talks of him not coming back. There's a, just been a lot of Henry Cavill talk, and I think there's too much talk for there not to be any form of proof there.
1: Yeah. No, I can't agree. I I mean, it's obviously something you and I have wanted for a long time and have kind of slowly been like, well, the stars are feel like they're slowly aligning up for this great cosmic event of the return of the big air quotes return of Henry Cavill. Um, but you know, dude, I'm down. I, I'm with you here. I'll even, because we already did this bit like twice, I'm going to take the piece of tinfoil and on just set it right here. And that's my tinfoil hat. Ah! That's my, <laughs> my tinfoil hat. Um,
0: isn't that just the epitome of tonight's show yeah, guys? This is, the, like... this is
1: the definition of tonight's show. Um,
0: I'm getting a new computer for, um, an announcement that we will be making, making next week. Yes. Um, but I'll be getting a new computer for that announcement. Um, in regards to that announcement, I won't be here by next week, but, um, yeah, we've had a lot of technical issues more so than any other episode, but we do it for you guys because we love you. We love the people. We love the peoples, but not as much as Henry Cavill loves the peoples. And that's why he's coming back to be Superman. And I'm all kinds of loopy because we've done this three times. Now, yeah, but. we're just
1: trying to figure out ways to say things, man.
0: Oh, but it, it's coming back and we'll be vindicated for not
1: losing hope. Speaking of losing hope, Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week. Today's episode is brought to you in part by The Melting Pot. Because when mom says eat your vegetables, she meant to put chocolate all over them.
0: what i'm so confused right now do you know do you know what the melting pot is utter confusion
1: well apparently it's a fondue restaurant yes that's why it's it's put chocolate all over your vegetables okay anyway i thought it was a clever joke (laughs) it's
0: oh boy josh are you ready to just get this over with and get to our main discussion tonight what? and all
1: let's get into it my man i'm sorry everything's on
0: fire so with all the news this week with both Mulan and Captain Marvel 2 we're like let's let's give the ladies their fair shake we haven't really focused on the ladies of movies really of the best movie heroines which moment of truth not gonna lie I had to double-check and spell-check to make sure I was spelling heroin correctly, and not... (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) What, you try not to spell the drug there, bud?
0: Because, yeah, that's the last thing we want for this particular episode, is for things to get (laughs) flied.
1: Moment of truth here, guys.
0: This episode has been a nightmare. Um, I magically have changed my clothes, and Josh has magically changed the room that he's recording in, because... This is like spliced no, the- together. And no,
1: it's- man, this is, the, this is the same room I've been in this whole time. It's all
0: quarantine's fault, man. It's all quarantine's fault. It is. It's Let's play um, quarantine. But this week we were talking about our all-time favorite or slash the best movie heroines of all time. Now, there has to be a caveat to this of the characters have to be either the main character's Or co-leads in their movie, so not specifically like side characters, but they have to be the focal point of the movies that they are in. Now, before we get to our main list, I have two honorable mentions that just barely squeaked off my list and just missed the cut: Uh, Mia from the Evil Dead remake, who was fantastic, and Kaylee from the Oculus movie by Mike Flanagan, who is probably one of the smartest horror movie uh, protagonists ever but just barely missed the cut. And also anytime we get to talk about Karen Gillan is a good time here. Uh, Josh, you got
1: any honorable mentions? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I do. Um, and primarily because I didn't want to leave anybody out. I, it was very tough for me to be, to like make the cut, you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm just going to read some people off and kind of go from there. All right. You ready? We ready? We ready? Um, so we got Keita from Atlantis. Um, oh, Colette. yeah. Yeah. Colette from Ratatouille. Um, M- Marina. M- Mar- Marina? It's been a while since I've heard it. Uh, from S- the Sinbad movie way back. Uh, it's hard to not talk about Jasmine. Um, Esmeralda from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, Valkyrie from Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, I think all these kind of feel like side characters
0: as opposed to leads which
1: is which is why they're honorable mentions because i as much as i love them and in some ways i think that they're stronger characters sometimes more than leads than the leads i have on my list but because for the sake of the discussion we've only said my main characters so like people like shuri and uh oh geez i always struggle with her name uh Okoye? Okoye, yeah. Um, we gotta get 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 X twenty three in on this on this, um, and then literally any character played by Michelle Rodriguez.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I don't know if I've seen a Michelle Rodriguez movie. If I'm thinking about it,
1: um, I guarantee you have. I guarantee.
0: I know who she is. I'm just trying to think, like, um.
1: Here, well, I'm going to live any of the the and, and, and furious. you just to, so I can name All right. Because uh, here's the thing, bud. I'm, I'm just surprised. I'd be very surprised. So let's, uh, let's name some stuff off. All right. okay. Come on, IMDb. All right. <clears throat> Fast and Furious. Like all of nope. them. Avatar. Uh, Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. Machete. Battle of nope. Los Angeles. Blue Crush. Nope. Turbo. Nope. Nope. Uh, this lost village. Look at that. What? What? <laughs> I mean, okay, so I mainly know her from the Fast and Furious series, but she is known for strong, strong characters. Yeah, she's
0: basically who everyone wants if they ever did a live-action Atlantis movie. Yes, absolutely. To be the mechanic.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm super down for that. Are you kidding me? But yeah, is there any of those are honorable mentions, and like like I said, the only reason they didn't make it is because of the parameters we put on our list, that they have to be main or co-main.
0: Yes. Now, um, I'll start us off, spoiler alert, this is not going to surprise anybody, especially now Josh, there's a lot of horror people on my list today. But I tried what? to divvy it up, it can't all 10 be horror, so I... Most of them are horror. I, about half of them are horror. Uh, but I think that's because horror, for the most part, excels with its female characters and almost has from the very beginning. Yeah. Um. So my first one, my number 10, is a horror character that I feel like we really, really need to give and just give more credit to the movie in general. And that's Maddie from Netflix's Hush. Ooh, I good call. love Hush. And what I love about Maddie is... You don't actually hear her talk until almost halfway through the movie because as a character, she is deaf. So as the movie progresses, we hear her speak almost internally. uh, But it's a character that's almost entirely defined by uh, her facial expressions and Mm -hmm. her movements. But you still get all the emotion from the character. But not only that, she's incredibly smart. Yes, Hush does not have a high body count. I think it's just three if we're including the killer himself i think i think it's the friend her boyfriend and then the killer at the end spoiler alert i think that's it Uh, um
1: isn't there a cop no no yeah yeah, you're right you're right right.
0: there's only three people that die in hush yeah but the sense of tension that's built up just because we so quickly latch on to this character um but also i i think it's cool that um before a Quiet Place made it cool, we have a deaf character that's seen mm-hmm. as completely competent, but their what we might perceive as something that makes them different is actually their greatest strength, because her the killer in the movie more or less thinks that her deafness is a disadvantage, but it's actually the thing that more or less saves her in the end. But she's an incredibly smart character out thinks the killer on multiple occasions i any chance i get to talk about hush i will because i just love kate siegel's performance but i just think maddie is a fantastic character in hush and and that's saying something in a genre with horror that like all the female characters most of them are the main characters so you really have to be special to stand out and i think maddie really really does
1: yeah i, I would completely agree with that hush is hard to ignore um i'm gonna lead off the charge with uh I mean technically she's not the main but she's it, she's technically the co-main but we all know that Mad Max Fury Road is about Furiosa. Yep. It is her story and I mean I love Max but I love me some Furiosa man. She's badass, she's cool, she's like smart, she's tough, like everything you need in a in a like good action movie uh, uh, heroine. And she's, but like at the same time, like at her core, she's a good person. And at her core, she's, she cares for the lives of others.
0: Yep. Let's just say this won't be the last time we talk about her. Um, That's (laughs) why I'm, I'm staying quiet on this. Yeah. Um, uh, What's your number nine?
1: I have got Moana next. Because, really yes, i I genuinely enjoy Moana, I think, and to be to be clear here i I didn't put these in really any order uh as far as like you know top tier, or whatever. um
0: yeah, my number one is in order, but everything yeah. else is
1: yeah up for interpretation yeah, that's basically what I did too. but like Moana, uh we got you hey, you gotta give animated animation some love, B, you gotta like it's hard to not root for moana not necessarily because it's like oh she's fighting against her family's traditions but like she's one of i know it's a disney staple but she's a character that knows what she wants she's chasing that dream and does everything she can to to get that dream Uh, and to chase that dream and i think at the end of the day one of my favorite things about the movie, let alone Moana, is that there is no love interest and that it's – she's strong. It's very clear she's strong on her own. She doesn't really need anybody else. Anybody else that is involved in the story is just good, like mayo on the bread. That was probably the whitest thing I could ever say. But yeah.
0: <laughs> you put mayo on bread? Bro, mayo. come on. No, mayo is nasty. Oh, also, you're missing out, my I'll, I'll back you up. I'll back you up in the sense of, like, Moana is fantastic. It took me a while to see it. Um Probably just because from the trailers and everything, it didn't look that good to me. Why didn't people just tell me right off the bat, hey, this is by the same guy that did Treasure Planet. Boom, I'm there in a heartbeat. Just mm-hmm. just open with that next time, Disney. Um, But you are still embarrassed about what you did to Treasure Planet that you don't talk about it enough, because that's your fault that it flopped, Disney. Uh But enough of that side tangent. I agree, Mulan is... Definitely one of the standout Disney characters, and "How Far I'll Go" leaves "Let It Go" in the dust. Oh, I yes. wish we would stop "Let It Go." I I don't understand how that caught on so much, but "How Far I'll Go" that's that's a Disney jam right there. That's a classic right
1: there. No, oh, absolutely.
0: I also the 4K of Mulan on Disney Plus mm, looks so good. Like there are just so many parts of that, that I'm like I. I don't believe this is animation. I believe you want me to think this animation, but you just went on vacation somewhere and filmed what you see yeah. on the landscape. <laughs> it's just ridiculously gorgeous. Um, my number nine is, shocker, another horror, but then we'll split it up after this, um, is another horror protagonist, and that is Scream's Sydney Prescott, the one consistent thing. Scream kind of fluctuates in quality. One's great, it's the classic. Two is not bad. Three is trash. Four is really not that bad. Even at their worst, the best thing about them is always Sidney Prescott, because she was kind of in that era of uh, breaking the mold of... You had most of your female protagonists around this time were relatively competent, but she was always the cut above of no, this is why this is stupid. I'm actually going to double tap because why wouldn't you double tap the killer just to be safe? Um, just, just stuff that should be common sense. Sydney actually puts into practice. And also I've been saying this forever about horror protagonists. It makes us care when you keep them alive, multiple movies. I'm tired of the trope of, well, they survived one. We have to kill them off in the sequel. Halloween resurrection. Um, so I've always thought that was a great thing that they've kept Sydney alive. Now, let's see if they have the guts to kill her off and Scream 5. They don't. Um, no. If anything, kill Courtney Cox, please. Yep. Um, but that she's always been a cut above in the horror genre because she's not an idiot. Um, yeah. And any character that they don't have to overly sexualize and they just keep as a normal human being, um, I also appreciate because... They keep her looking like a normal human woman, which it's hard to not make Nev Campbell look attractive. But they still make her still seem like an average high school or college student. Yeah. Um. She still looks too old to be in whatever role she's in, but it's not full on Jason Earls and Hannah Montana type of situation. Yeah. Um. Uh. What's
1: your number eight, Josh? Um. We're gonna talk about Charlie Watson from Bumblebee. Because Ooh, why not good call yeah. anytime you we talk about Hilly
0: steinfeld is a good time
1: oh dude she's one of the best young actresses out right out there right now um again her character is something that i think even i as a person would aspire to be she's smart intelligent she and like not in like just in like a normal human sense sense even like in like from a movie storytelling storytelling sense like she doesn't make a lot of mistakes Uh, you know accidents yeah and i i appreciate that even though they put a guy in front of her she's like okay so i've got issues with bumblebee (laughs)
0: It's basically just Iron Giant.
1: I mean it is, but I mean Charlie Watson is great. It's
0: true. Yeah, Charlie, I feel like just barely missed my cut too. I I really enjoy Bumblebee a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. And Haley Steinfeld's a huge part of that. Um also just enjoy Haley Steinfeld's work because she picks projects well of like typically when she's in something, it's a stamp of approval of, okay, this is typically going to be something pretty good. Aside from Pitch Perfect 3, which is eh, more often than not, if she's in something, then that means it's you're in for a pretty good movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, my number eight is from an actress that has been around for a little bit, but I feel like is just about to break the bubble and become a really big name. Due in no small part to her most recent role in what I believe is the best movie of last year, Knives Out. Mm. And I'm talking about Ana de Armas's Marta Cabrera, who is one of the most pure-hearted and good-natured souls in probably one of the worst places to work yeah. of just horrible, horrible family that kind of is connected to her, of her boss, um, is great for plumber looks ancient but he's nice it is kids they're just miserable little brats and you hate them they're also super racist yeah Um, jeez. but i love her character because and they sum it up perfectly at the end of she wins um the game of knives out by not playing the game like everybody else. She plays it her way. She plays it the right way. And in the end, we find, spoiler alert, we find out she is not responsible for what happens to mm-hmm. her, basically. And she's able to rise above not just the prejudice around her, the very thinly veiled, we love you. But in reality, they don't even remember where she's from. Yeah. Um <laughs> She's a very different type of protagonist, and I like that of very working class. We see what her day-to-day is like, but we see her care about Christopher Plummer's character. I just really, really like Mar- Marta Cabrera, and I can't wait to see more of Ana de Armas. If the next James Bond movie ever comes out, she's in that, and I'm excited to see that. Um, and seemingly, she's been the remedy that Ben Affleck has needed in his own personal life, so Cut. good for her. Um I really, really enjoyed Knives Out, and I think she was a big part of the reason why for that. Yeah. Um, My number seven, I gotta go back to horror. I gotta do it. Um, This is gonna be a lot higher on other people's list, but for me, I'm just like, eh. And maybe it's because she was in some bad sequels, Uh, but that's Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. I really like the first two Aliens. And. I could tell by Josh's expression that he has her somewhere on this list. Well, I mean, it's um, Ripley, bro. <laughs> but I think, for me at least, Ripley is one of the all-time greats. Not just in horror, but one of the greatest movie heroes, male or female, ever. Um, problem comes in when you get to that Alien 3 and 4 yeah. territory of things through no fault of Scorny Weaver. Really, really start to go off the rails. But... It's hard to just um, fight against that all-time great scene in Aliens. Get away from her, you. Mm -hmm. She's got the giant mechanized suit, and you're like, we've come a long way from the Ripley from the original movie, from the first movie, who's a lot more reserved. But, oh, you do not want to cross paths with Ripley. I, While I'm not the biggest Alien fan, I don't mind it. I like the first two. I even secretly really enjoy Alien vs. Predator. What's wrong with you? They're they're hit or miss, but Ellen uh, Ripley is always a high point to any of those movies.
1: Yeah, oh, I agree. It's hard not to like Ripley. Um, So you're throwing it back. So I'm actually going to throw it back as well with a certain Claudius Starling from Silence of the Lambs.
0: I'm not going to say anything because I also have her,
1: (laughs) but I, I have her for later. Oh, I bet. No, it was really funny. I, I, uh, when we started this, I saw the graphic and I was like, Oh yeah, she's on my list. She's on my list. She's on my list. She's on my list. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) so, but yeah, no, could is so awesome. Uh, incredibly smart, incredibly clever. Uh, someone that we can get behind when she's as a detective which is i mean even even as a male sometimes it's hard to get behind the main character who's a detective because they all make stupid decisions whereas for her she's like super smart she's catching on if she doesn't get something it's because it's very well hidden not because it's in in you know in the open and the plot says she she can't see it
0: but also, um, re-watching it now, when I'm older, I can realize and notice more of the subliminal messaging about mm-hmm. the very, very sketchy people that she worked with, and even more of the hurdles that she has to overcome as a woman, and I think that storytelling is brilliant because it gets you even more invested in her, just like, okay, you more or less have an even bigger ditch to climb yourself out of being a woman in this department, and I watched a good scene analysis once of when she first meets Hannibal Lecter and the camera angles that they use specifically of low angle shots when we're looking at um, Hannibal and low angle shots when we're looking at her. She's kind of the weak person in this situation, like below Hannibal. But as the scene progresses, we now see them at eye level because Hannibal now sees her as an equal. Yeah. And they're now tight shots because they're in the same realm of you, uh just seeing her evolution and she never backs down from anybody granted again like the ripley thing some of the sequels are not necessarily the best yeah. um and julianne moore is definitely not nearly as good as uh jodie foster but the jodie foster version of clary starling is absolutely one of the best of all time and we will not be done with her on this list, as far no, as I'm concerned.
1: Well, I think the thing is always that's always fascinated me ab- uh, about Silence of the Lambs as a film, but especially about her is that because she doesn't back down because of the way she attacks her job, you can tell like right after that first meeting, Hannibal seems to be like rooting for her and is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you information because. I want you to succeed, which is kind of—it's still a little screwy because it's, it's, it's Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it because the main villain is rooting for her. It almost makes you want to be like, yeah, like root for her even more.
0: So was that your number seven or your number six? I'd be six, six. No, seven. That's seven. Okay. What is your number six then?
1: All right, you ready for this? Uh oh. I'm, I'm going to say it and then I want you to guess which actress. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to Laura Croft.
0: I mean, there's only two.
1: Uh huh. I'm going to say
0: Angelina Jolie because I didn't think you liked the Alicia Vikander one that much.
1: See, I don't. But I like her as Lara Croft better than Angelina. I also see, I think
0: something that's important to talk about when we talk compare the two Tomb Raiders, because I actually put almost put the Angelina Jolie version on this list. Um, um, but I think something important that we need to discuss with comparing the Alicia Vikander and the Angelina Jolie is those are two different Tomb Raiders from two very different eras. Yes. Um, they're trying to embody two different time periods in Laura Croft's development back in the day. Laura Tomb, Laura Tomb Raider. Yeah. Laura Croft was designed and acted a specific way for a specific reason. And then in more recent years, they've tried to more humanize, <laughs> uncharted, um, Laura Croft to be more like <laughs> Nathan Drake, um, to be more just like regular treasure hunter and a more human, they try to be more of a human approach to it as opposed to a fantasy wish fulfillment. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, which I think Angelina Jolie fits that original model perfectly, and I think Alicia Vikander fits the new model perfectly, minus, and I still to this day can never forgive, that janky poster that they originally mm. released of Alicia Vikander's Tomb Raider where her neck was, like, super awkward and, like, a giraffe neck. Like someone photoshopped that wrong. I still think in the discussion for worst posters of all time is the Tomb Raider one and that first Black Panther one where his neck and head was not proportional to the rest of his body. You remember <laughs> that
1: one? I do, I do.
0: But why why is Alicia on your list but not Jolie? Um,
1: and I think that what you're what you were talking about has a big is a big part of that. Um, I understand. Angelina Jolie's performance and what what they were going for, why she gave that performance, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think she does Jolie in that she does a better character, better character work is like someone like maybe I don't know uh, Mrs. Smith from Mister. Mrs. Smith. I think she does better work there as opposed to Wanted her Laura Croft. Hmm, that's fair. Yeah. So I, and because of the fact that they do humanize Laura here in the, in the most recent one, while it's not my favorite film, I enjoyed that version of Lara Croft way better. And it makes her in not, I'm not going to say fun character, but I'm going to say more interesting, makes her, she's clever. She's, you know, she's dependent. She, she's not, she's like, Completely competent. Like she's not someone that you're like – again, which is I, I feel bad sometimes that uh, – sometimes the only thing that characters have to do is just be competent and will like them. But Laura Croft is a she's, – overall, she's a good character in the most recent film. And now –
0: surprisingly i'm actually amazed uh, but we're getting another elusive candidate tomb raider i don't think it's a bad thing i'm not at all i think it's a great thing i'm i'm just more surprised looking at the box office yeah that we're getting a sequel because i thought it just barely broke even um but that's fine another crack at it um so my number six is one that you said already and i, I as we come back to furiosa and as far as i'm concerned Mad Max Fury Road is basically a Fury Road, some movie starring Mad Max. Mad Max just happens to be in it because yep. this is Fury movie through and through. Um, but boy, does she carry that movie? I would not want to mess with Charlize Theron.
1: I mean, I wouldn't It's just, regardless, but definitely not in this movie.
0: <laughs> no. Um, what can we say about Mad Max Fury Road that has been said by thousands upon thousands of other people? It's just wonderful and part of the reason is the heroes in it more specifically furiosa coupled with just brilliant action um can we get another one please george miller
1: i mean are we are we getting another one I'm, i don't think so as far as i'm aware i mean how long he's did it making take another for, babe yeah how long did it take to get for us to get mad max i mean well he, had, he was really busy making his two
0: Babe movies. Now he's going to go back and make a third Babe. Babe in space. Or Babe in the frying pan. <laughs> um, or or he, better yet, he's going to do a crossover with Charlotte's Web and Babe.
1: Or uh, Babe gets sold to a new owner and it happens to be bacon. So it's ba- Babe colon the Baconing.
0: Or Kevin Babekin.
1: Oh.
0: (laughs) You can't one-up me in the bad pun department, man. You know this by now.
1: Bacon and Babe?
0: (laughs) That just sounds like a Disney XD cartoon show. (laughs) It does. So, my number five is a kind of tricky one to talk about, at least for me, because... And here's where I might step on some toes. Um, but I I still stand by what I'm saying 100%. I think the character is fantastic and one of the greatest female uh, heroes of all time. I don't think the performance is that great, though. I'm, of course, talking about Wonder Woman. Okay. okay. I think the Wonder Woman character, how they did it in the movie, was fantastic. I think Wonder Woman's in a fantastic film. But I still stand by my opinion we could do a lot better than Gal Gadot. I still think she's very stiff and awkward. And I – this could just be my thoughts. I don't think if Patty Jenkins was the one in charge of casting for that original Wonder Woman, she would have cast Gal Gadot. I think that was a Zack Snyder choice. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think Gal Gadot is fine. But she definitely would not have been my top choice. I think she's... I'm curious to see, now that she's had more time to work with Betty Jenkins, if um, she's a little better in Wonder Woman 84 And I'm not saying she was bad in the first Wonder Woman. I just think she's still relatively new to acting and still a little stiff and wooden at times. Mm-hmm. Um and I get that, like the whole Wonder Woman thing is like she's got an exotic appeal, but I don't know. I don't think the acting is necessarily all there for Gal Gadot. But I think over time that might come. for the t- For the time being, I think the character is great. The performance could use a little bit of work, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I can see that, I- and it's why she's not on Wonder Woman's not on my list at all. Um, while I love what they did with the character in the movie, I, I, there's something about Gal that I'm not, as far as character-wise, um, that I'm not really vibing with. Um, so, it is what it is. I mean, maybe, like you said, maybe she'll, be, she'll come back and she'll, she'll be better. I mean, who knows? There's all this time for improvement, so.
0: I'm still, maybe it's, I don't think it's the case, but I, maybe I'm still hung up on. We talk about John Carter a lot on the show because we think it's very underappreciated and shame on you for not seeing it in theaters. I still think the princess that was in John Carter would have been perfect for Wonder Woman, Lynn Collins. Mm, Like her character in John Carter is basically just Wonder Woman. Um, Mm. And I think, again, Gal's fine. But I don't know if she would have been my top pick just because I don't think. She's quite there acting-wise. And I think a lot of people will just kind of give her a pass because she's Wonder Woman. And that's totally fine. If you think she's great as Wonder Woman, that's cool. A lot of people do think that. I totally respect that. I understand that I'm in the minority in that. But I, th- I think we could have gotten a better Wonder Woman. But I think the character is still pretty strong.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. Um, so... What's your number five? You brought somebody back. So it's my turn. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's go full-fledged on Ripley, because I think that her performances in Alien and Aliens is strong enough to ignore the other two crap shows. Um, first of all, I didn't know there was a three and four until about five years ago. Um, really, I still have not seen them because I I love one and i really really love to uh aliens 2 to the point where i don't want that memory ruined because that's like like you said at the towards the end of 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 aliens like that is peak ripple is as good as she's gonna get for me Uh, i mean you could probably go back and tell more stories but not the stories they tell with three and four so um yeah, she's, it's, it's hard to be to go wrong with her.
0: Fair, fair. Um, can't really argue with that. Um, uh, without saying too much, my number one knows a fair thing, knows a thing or two about crappy sequels, but I, for some reason, don't hold that against her. Yeah. Um, and Josh already knows what my number one is, but we're not going to say that yet. Um, Josh, what's your number four.
1: Um, since we've already talked about Ripley, that's fine. Um, here's one I don't think is on your list. I'm not too surprised. And what's weird is I'm not actually that big of a fan of the movie itself, but I'm a big fan of the character of Sarah Connor.
0: Okay. I almost did. I almost did. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, at least the latter movies kind of shift focus away from her when they really shouldn't. Have because she's the best thing about all the Terminator movies. I agree. Like, yes, Arnie's like the consistent, the the cash cow. But come on, if you don't have Sarah Connor, your movie's not particularly as good. But you're yeah, you're right. She's her evolution of where she starts to where she ends is a fantastic arc.
1: Yes, and like I want to, I'm going to be specific here, and I'm going to, which I didn't do with Ripley, but. I, I want to make sure that I, I say that her performance in T2 is, like, that's the one where I was like, okay, this she's one of my favorite heroines now. Like, that's, she's so cool, so badass, so smart, capable, like, she's just awesome, and it's hard to not get behind her.
0: Fair enough. Now, for my number four, I went with my top disney character of all time but oh, wow. it's always my weird nitpick of do not call this person a pr- princess she's definitely a disney heroine um disney warrior i guess but i hate when people call mulan a princess oh she's my not she's not a princess at all even if she marries shang which she does in the second one which for those that haven't seen it don't cuz mulan 2 is trash mulan uh, Mary Sh- Shang, who is a-, a general. There's no form of royalty there whatsoever. She's a great hero and a warrior, but in no part of her is a princess, and it's just kind of a, eh, you're, you're kind of royalty because you're the main character of your own movie. That That's not what a princess is. <laughs> in all fairness, Okahana is more of a princess than Mulan is, but Disney want- doesn't want to have that conversation. Um Mulan, on the other hand, it's, I hope he has seen it since, but we had a friend of ours. I won't say who, because Josh knows who it is. Um, we had a friend of ours visit us a few months ago, and we watched the trailer for Mulan. This this was pre-COVID, people, don't worry. Um, we were seeing the movie, and the trailer for the new Mulan comes out, and he goes, yeah, still haven't seen the original. We just stop and go, how have you not seen Mulan? Every child in America that grew up in the 90s and 2000s has seen Mulan, boy or girl. It's like the one movie that the boys and the girls reach across the aisle and go, we both can claim this one mm-hmm. of there's enough of the stuff that girls would like, but there's enough blood and carnage for us boys who like our violent tendencies. <laughs> um, And also... Mulan has a very special place in my heart because before the podcast, before the YouTube channel, before anything else, I was a lowly freshman in college who needed to do a music video for his first video class. And guess who picked I'll Make a Man Out of You? That's the (laughs) music video pick. Which, not my best work, but it's for a freshman who had never touched a camera before. It's not that bad. Uh, But getting to the character of Mulan, the fact that she is willing to literally put her life on the line to protect her family and her father and in the end ultimately becomes more competent than basically everyone around her and gives Shang very confusing feelings until he understands at the end mm-hmm. which I've always loved those memes of man that new rookie looks really good today what am I thinking <laughs> um, am, I, am I gay what is happening right now Which, I'm not going to lie, Mulan has probably one of my favorite training montages, which, it won't be the end of the world for me, but if new Mulan doesn't have that scene where she climbs the pole with the weights around her wrists, I might be a little mad, just because I think that's such a cool moment of realizing that the thing that you think is weighing you down is actually what's helping you climb the pole even more so, Mm -hmm. which you don't get that symbolism as a kid, Um, but Mulan is just so good. Uh, honorable mention to Belle from Beauty and the Beast. She's also probably up there, I guess, for one of the better protagonists. But no one touches Mulan in my book. She's by far the best of the Disney heroines. Because I used to call her a princess because she's got no royalty, but a Disney heroine for sure. Not just that, but she's the best of them.
1: Yes, I uh, and which is why she's my number three. So <laughs> perfect. Rock on, dude. Uh, yeah, she's just. She's strong. She's an independent at the end of the day, she does the right thing because she you knows it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't matter what tradition says. It doesn't matter what, uh, you know, it does, what her father wants. She doesn't want to lose her dad. And at the end of the day, that's more important to her than being, having honor or whatever. So, I mean, it's like you said, she's one of the strongest heroines in the Disney universe period. Um, it, i know who you're talking about and it actually really surprising me surprises me considering i know who it is and he is half asian um which is almost feels a little racist to me but still like it's just it, like you said it's one of the few disney movies that like boys and girls can kind of reach across the aisle and we all like it we all want to be we all want uh shane to make a man out of us we want to go to war for china like that's like that's the cool thing. So yeah, man, Mulan, on, Mulan. on you. Dishonor Dishonor on cow. Cow. <laughs> oh man. So, um,
0: you said you're number three with Mulan. My number three is somebody that we did talk about earlier, but I wanted to bring up again. Cause, oh man, she's still just, just the best and is one of the only roles that has ever really given the horror community, any form of credibility. Clarice Starling because mm. Silence of the Lambs just came along and went yeah you pay attention to us now look at me I'm captain now uh, and unfortunately horror didn't get any respect again until Get Out but uh, I've beaten that horse enough um, but Clarice Starling is just she's just the best because she's not your stereotypical protagonist because while she is She knows what she's talking about. She's not always going to be the cocky, confident, most assertive one in the room. She might be the smartest person in the room, not named Hannibal, (laughs) but she's also timid. She's not quite the self-assured person that she should be, even though she's leaps and bounds beyond everyone else in her class. And you see that without any form of dialogue or them calling attention to it. It's very evident that she's the best person in her class but they don't want to acknowledge that she is because she's a woman. I always like the subtle storytelling that they tell with that of she's clearly the best, but she has this uneven playing field. And that's while that's not the main thing of the story, it's obviously trying to catch Buffalo Bill, who is, it, it still <laughs> blows my mind that my first exposure to the actor uh, Ted Levine that plays Buffalo Bill, I grew up watching him on Monk and going, wait, is that the guy from Monk? Um, this is this is not okay. <laughs> this, you did very weird things before you were in Monk. Um, but Clarice is just the best. I like a good, smart, logically thinking um, protagonist that, basically it's like, okay if you guys aren't doing it i'll just do this myself yeah. that's what clarice does and i still think one of the greatest editing tricks of all time is the end of silence of the Lamb. when you think the swat teams come to buffalo bill's house and it's a fake out and they're at the wrong house and she's at buffalo bill's house you're like mm-hmm. oh that that's some good editing right there um it's the legacy of the Hannibal series Is kind of sketchy, but so long as we stick with the Jodie Foster, Cleary, Starling, she is one of, if not, well, in the discussion for best female protagonist of all time. Agreed. So my number two, I think some people might expect me to have this as my number one, and there's good reason why it's not my number one, and we'll get well, it'll make sense when we get to my number one. But my number two is Princess-slash-General Leia Organa, whatever title we want to give okay. her. Okay, okay. Um, she is like the archetype for the female action star that does not follow whatever the boys are doing and has to keep the boys in line. What I love is Carrie, uh, Carrie Fisher just brings so much life to the role of Princess Leia, and it's just so much fun to watch. She's that character of you have to always include them in a the discussion for the best Star Wars characters you've got. Luke, Han, but you also always have to include Leia. And I I was always curious as a kid of did Leia really need Luke and Han to rescue her? them? So when I went back and watched uh, A New Hope not too long ago, guess who actually has the highest body count of anybody in that movie and has the best accuracy of anybody in that movie? It's not Han. Leia's got the accuracy of all of them i always found funny um so she's not the typical damsel in distress well except for return of the jedi but she's she's not in that case because she still ends up killing the gross job of the hut or rv weinstein as we call him now Um, leia's just the best she's a lot of kids favorite um female heroine of all time of anybody that grew up with Star Wars or sci-fi, she's she's just the archetype. I like that they changed her character over time from being Princess Leia to, in the sequel trilogy, as much as those movies have issues, being General Leia to being the one in charge of everything else, which, again, go back to my Mulan nitpick. How is Princess Leia a princess? Because <laughs> her adopted father is... Bale or Ghana, a senator, not royalty. Thanks, prequels, for messing up that continuity. Um, but Princess Leia, come on, we're talking about them greatest female heroines of all time, and we're not gonna have Princess Leia at least in the top three. Yeah, no. I, I can't put her in top one just for her own selfish reasons, but <laughs> but she just barely missed that top spot.
1: Nice. Okay. Okay. I knew she was going to be on your list somewhere, but I I wasn't sure where. Um, Okay. A little uh, curveball here for uh, I don't think you're ready for this. Um, Mine number two is Rapunzel from Tangled.
0: That is definitely a curveball. Okay, like, I'm not mad at it. It's just a
1: gigantic curveball. I did not see that coming from you. Dude, okay, so little known fact about Josh.
0: He's a softie. He's a big old softie that likes one musicals. Dude, the
1: biggest soft softies ever. I, I am a huge teddy bear. Well, not really huge because I'm only 5'9". But anyway, um, no, Tangled think is... Josh is like Gimli. <laughs> hey...
0: Josh is Gimli. He gets ferocious, but at at the end of the day, he's got a and a beard.
1: (laughs) Okay, we'll leave that there. Um, (laughs) But no, like genuinely speaking, um, Tangled is one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Period. Um, I'm not laughing
0: at you. I'm more laughing because I'm just really, really shocked right now. (laughs) I never would have guessed that in a million years dude I her song with I have known you for how long and I never (laughs) knew this
1: her her song with Flynn towards the end of the film gets me every time I sing it almost all the time um it's dude it is genuinely one of my favorite films of all time Disney films of all time um but beside that Rapunzel is great because you can't center your movie around a a, a character and if she's terrible or he's terrible the movie doesn't work and Rapunzel's- Hmm, Ain't that right Captain Marvel? Yes um Rapunzel is awesome she's enchanting she's I I think the thing I like the most about her is that she's always trying to learn she's got this like open mind that's like well welcome to this whole world that I didn't never knew existed i way out there. Anyway, um, <laughs> leave me alone. Jeez, um, oh, I've got the song guys, in my head now. I can't
0: go it Guys, just to clarify for you guys, Josh is like that much of a musical fan that he once told me that he doesn't like The Greatest Showman because it sounds too new in its style and doesn't sound like a musical should. And I'm going, uh, see, I didn't know Josh was a classic musical fan at that point. I'm going, <laughs> <laughs> wait I mean, a second here
1: that is not my only issue with the greatest showman but
0: yes oh no i have my own issues with great yes. showman i think it's fine it just is at its best when it's doing the musical numbers which you seem to hate because you're dead inside oh. okay f-
1: hold on S- t- side tangent here okay because the main character that hugh jackman plays is awful oh, yeah. he's a terrible oh, human oh, yeah. being And that's why he's not my favorite character by any stretch. He is a bad person. Zach efron is where it's at. Nah, I I ain't dealing with this. I ain't dealing with this nonsense, (laughs) okay? Which anyway admittedly in movie defense,
0: it probably was never the best idea to do a movie about P. T. Barnum because
1: Yeah.
0: Let's just say the movie version was the nice version of
1: him. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. That's why it upsets me so much. Is they were like, we want to do this story. But we don't want to tell it all the way, so we'll just kind of uh, skirt some of the details under the rug and make him appear oh, like, not so bad.
0: Anyway, I oh, mean, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, back to Tangled. <laughs> okay, I like Tangled too, but I have this really weird problem whenever I'm watching it. Of I can, it's never Rapunzel and Flynn for me. It's always, oh yeah, it's Mandy Moore and Zachary Levi. <laughs> <Of> like. <laughs> That's the oddest thing to me of going, okay, Flynn, Zachary Levi, you went from Chuck to Disney movie to superhero. Your residual checks must be really, really nice right now.
1: <laughs> they really should. Especially with Tangled. Because so the, the argument was almost always, because Tangled and Frozen came out very close to each other. Um, and everyone was like, Frozen's one of the best movies ever, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting here like, oh, no. Tangled, Tangled because nope i I just i'm not even gonna argue with that yeah oh i know it's completely agree uh it was the thing for me is that rapunzel acts like a like a queen like she acts like a good figure of royalty before she even knows that she's royalty and to me that was something very endearing in the fact that she's very like naturally caring about every single person that she meets up until the point where she realizes that um, the witch has been playing her the whole time. She's very kind to her and she doesn't want to ruin that relationship um, up until the point where she realizes she's been kept in the tower all these years. And, and anyway, um, but no, yeah. Rapunzel is just absolutely the best. <laughs> Plus on the flip
0: side, a point in her favor again right now she's more or less all of us. She's just all about that quarantine life. Yes, she is. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised we don't have more Rapunzel memes going around right now. (laughs) Um, but that was your number two, Josh, what's your number one? Who is your number one
1: movie heroine of all time? So this is actually a recent one. Um, and I don't think you've even seen this film. um, because it is a history film and I'm. Uh, that, <laughs> means I being... huh? <laughs> that means I wouldn't have seen it. Huh? That means I wouldn't have seen it because it's a history movie. No, no. Not like history channel, but like history in genre. Yes, I
0: know. I enjoy history. <laughs> that hurts.
1: No, I don't know. So uh, Harriet Tubman came out in 2000, uh, 2019, the most recent version anyway. And the lady. Was it 2019? The... Yeah. The two, the 2019, which is crazy. Um, but the the actress that plays Harriet just okay. So here, little little background history, real quick. Okay, so outside of being, it's it's honestly, if you've known me since childhood, it's not that surprising that I'm a closet uh, musical fan. Um, because I used to go to plays all the time as a kid, because there, Houston ha- Houston has a very vibrant uh, theater community. Uh, downtown anyway, and I've seen productions, different productions over the years, like two or three different times Um, so I'm very familiar with the story so it's, whenever a movie does something that I'm very familiar with, it's not sometimes it's hard for that film to surprise me at all and holy crap does the Harriet in the 2019 uh, Harriet Tubman movie blow me away, every time I've watched it two or three times now and it it is such a strong emotion like emotion filled it moves you there's times where you understand that there's times where it's very obvious she doesn't want to go on there's times where she wants to quit and you can see that and you feel that from that character and that's something that that actress brings to it. And I, I mean, I'd, I, I should have written down who, who plays her, but, um, I'm also terrible actresses at, at names, but I'll look it up. But genuinely it is one of the best, uh, best versions of hair of the Harriet Tubman story I have ever seen. it has, One of the best Harriets I've ever seen. The climax of the film is extremely uh, satisfying. It's as satisfying as a story about slavery pre Civil War can be. Um, But even it shows very clearly the plight. It shows very clearly how how rough and how chaotic and old West the the South was in in those days.
0: The actress uh, is
1: Cynthia Arrivo. That sounds so familiar. I feel like I've seen her in something else.
0: Well, if you really, if you guys at home wanted to watch it, it is now on HBO Max. I'm seeing nice. Um, so I'm not seeing Harriet, and now I really feel like I need to. Yes. Um, one of the big reasons that I didn't get around to seeing it is I feel like it wasn't in theaters very long. Um, like it was kind of in and out really, really quickly. I Could it been around me?
1: I want to say that I don't think it even was in theaters. Cuz I remember seeing the trailer for it and then remember seeing it on demand. So I I would dare to say that I don't think it it was even in theaters. Interesting. Yeah.
0: But now that I see it's on HBO Max, I know I can check it out. Yes. So I'll leave this one up to Josh. Josh? You know me. Our audience at home knows me. What do you think is my number one female movie heroine of all time? Female movie protagonist, the greatest, um, one of the best movie heroines of all time.
1: Well, you've already done Leia, so that takes her off the board. Um, Technically, she's not even a co-main, so the mom from Iron Giant is off the table. Uh, <laughs> You're way overthinking this, dude. I am. <laughs> um, I, I do I, I need know. a
0: visual guide? Because I have one. I have a visual guide right by my desk. So let me just switch our camera shots here for a second <laughs> and give Josh the biggest clue that he probably does not need. But his mind is blanking for a second. Anybody got any guesses? And Josh is ashamed of what he's become. Ah, damn. Josh. Josh is just ashamed.
1: Oh, I'm so
0: mad. Dishonor. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. Oh, Dishonor God. on water.
1: How? Why? How, why did I not think of that? I think I'm not only am I disappointed that I didn't get it, that it was your number one, but how did I completely forget about her in this whole process? Okay, here's understand. the thing, Josh.
0: Here's this. Here's the thing. People can bag on horror movies all they want. But I would say in the Halloween franchise alone, you have not one, but two characters that I would actually probably put on this list. Um, yes, we have my obvious number one, but I'd even put um, crud. Why am I blanking on her name? Ha! Um, the girl, <laughs> the little girl, Jamie from four and five.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Because while she's connected to my number one in and of itself for a child actor is a really great character and that had this great continuation but no obviously if i'm making this list number one will always be my favorite jamie lee curtis as laurie strode (laughs) and now laurie strode is interesting as a character both in horror movies just in movies in general of she's for lack of a better term, she's kind of the choose-your-own-adventure story protagonist because Halloween has been rebooted and retconned so many times that if you don't like the direction a certain character went, you could just pretend it didn't happen. And there's some other movies that you could probably watch instead. So you can watch one, two, and then skip right to Halloween H2O. Or if you want to think that um, she, that Laurie Strode might have had a kid, you can watch one, two four, five, and six. Or you can pretend that none of the sequels happen. You can just watch one in 2018. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's all the weird routes, but just go to the, just the first Halloween just by itself. And you have a shy, introverted, geeky character, more or less the archetype for what would become the final girl. Uh, um But almost from the get-go, she's never awkwardly unrealistic she feels like any other introverted high school girl and unlike a lot of other horror movies Jamie lee curtis while she was 19 when they filmed this actually still looks like she's a high school student doesn't feel like she's a 30 year old playing a high school student um she feels very much like a kid but what i immediately gravitated towards the first time i watched halloween was this character doesn't feel like every other character she's not an idiot she's her first priority through this entire thing is she's babysitting uh, Tommy Doyle and then she gets another kid dumped on her because the kids just want to screw around. Mm -hmm. And so they just dump babysitting responsibilities on her. But then once bad things are happening, she immediately goes into paternal mode of protect these kids. Um, And immediately goes mama bear. She's still frightened. But once that fear kind of goes off, it's survival mode. So she was the first character that I've ever seen in a horror movie fight back a little bit. When she hides in the closet, uh, she, like, opens the door to the outside so she doesn't make Michael think that she went out the window. He obviously doesn't take the bait because it's Michael Myers, but he tries to break in the closet. And instead of just being scared, she's scared at first, like almost all of her arcs, she's scared at first. But then, once she realizes she's uh, backed in a corner, she's got to fight. So what does she do? She grabs the coat hanger real quick, stabs him in the eye, which major props to the 2018 Halloween movie of keeping that continuity of his eye is still messed up, even close-ups, which I always liked that, uh, attention to detail. Uh, even in the new one, we have a completely different, still somewhat similar. Laurie Strode. Who's much similar to Sarah Connor from Terminator Mm. of bad things have happened to me when I was younger. Now, no one mess with me or it's going to be a bad day for you because I've got a shotgun now. Um, (laughs) She's the archetype for all five girls in horror movies from here on out, but at no point do they ever go, for the most part, into areas where you don't really believe that she's a real person anymore. She feels so human and relatable in that first one. Then she goes full-on action hero in H2O, which I still love so much, even though the Halloween masks that Michael Myers wears are just atrocious in that movie, and Chris Durand is really not a good Michael Myers. Um, but there's so many different facets to it, and maybe it's, I actually think the different reboots and retcons of Halloween may work in Lori Schroeder's favor. Because there's different flavors of Laurie if you want. If you're not taking one thing, then probably there's something different for you. Uh, she's a good character in Halloween 2, although there's not as much Laurie as you think in the original Halloween 2. Um, I'm looking forward to what her story continues to be with Michael Myers. It's just for me. There's no stopping Jamie Lee Curtis, she's the best by far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can't even. I can't argue with you at all.
0: <laughs> You're more just going. How did you forget it?
1: Yeah, that's honestly what's kicking me more. Um, although I think if I had her, she'd still be number three. At the oh very- no,
0: I completely agree. I don't think I don't know if she's the best of all time, but from in my totally subjective list, <laughs> she's number one. Yeah, but by far well what do you guys think what are some of the greatest uh female heroines in movie history let us know in the comments below and if you like what you hear and you want to hear more subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on whether that's itunes spotify google podcast or youtube and if you haven't already subscribe to us on youtube at uncharted media and as always stay sharp movie guys and gals